The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to the Visual Workplace this week. We have been waiting for you. (laughs) I am very happy to be the host of this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. And in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices, through visual mini systems and macro systems, through a language that we intentionally install. And that language is made up of visual devices those are the that's the vocabulary that's the syntax that's the um sentences and phrases sentences and paragraphs and chapters and books of operational excellence visuality embeds that intelligence which is our own intelligence into the landscape that we call the workplace the physical landscape of work And why do we bother? We bother because we want to be able to see our thinking function. We want to capture it and see it and then improve it. We want to gain the bottom line benefits of that, of improved safety, of improved quality, more aligned delivery time, shrinking costs. We want a splendid, spirited, and engaged work culture. We want alignment that is based in the physical workplace, we want alignment that is not an idea, but that is actually operationalized. And we want to enjoy ourselves at work. We want to enjoy ourselves along the way. We spend a lot of time at work. We spend a lot of time recovering from work. Why can't we have a good time there too? We want an enterprise that becomes increasingly conscious, fluid, self-aware. And to that I say, oh, wonderful. That's the purpose of this show. We're in our fourth year together. I enjoy this show so much because I'm able to share what I have gleaned, what I have harvested, what I have come to know over the last 30, now going into my 33rd year, 33 years of research, I suppose you could call it, but living in this marvelous sandbox that is called workplace visuality. It has been a gift that I've been given, a gift that I've been given. And I want to give it back to you. And that's the purpose of this show. And so I just have a few announcements and then we're going to go into operationalizing. Once again, another show on going a little bit deeper into operationalizing the leadership house. Let me say a few words uh, by way of announcements. First of all, uh, about the visual thinker. 
I did an article this week on the need to share the perfect promise of, of unity. I love this article, the perfect promise of unity and how you can use the second driving question of the visual workplace to actually bring that alignment, that network of connectivity that we want so much when we work to feel the need to know and the need to share. If you didn't get a copy of The Visual Thinker, send us your contact information at radio at visualworkplace.com and you'll get one next week. And our new website will be up in about a week and we will have a newsletter archive and therefore an archive for these articles as well. So the URL will stay the same. It will still be www.visualworkplace.com. Let's see, visualworkplace.com. That's still our, going to be our website, but it will be very, very new. And by the way, I wanted to include an image of the house of what I call the operation systems improvement template, the operation system improvement template, OSIT. I wanted to include that in the newsletter this week, but we simply ran out of room. So it will be there next week, and I know it will help. It will be an image of what I've been walking you through now for the last couple of months. A couple of more things. If you get to listen to the show, if you, I should say, if you find that you can't listen to the show because of your company's firewall, please know that there's an app and you can listen to it on your phone. Voice America offers an app for iPhones, Blackberry, Androids, you name it. You just go to your app store and search for Voice America and you'll be able to get it just fine. And a word about bounces. If you know that we have your email and you have not been receiving, for example, the new Visual Thinker newsletter through your work email, then please think about sending us your personal email. We do not sell our lists or give our lists away. No one uses them except us. I assure you I'm saying it on the radio to 70,000 listeners. It's the truth. And that will work. We can just use your personal email. Or you can request that your IT department allows our emails to come through, visualworkplace.com. And for the newsletter, you'll also have to ask them to allow constant contact to come through because that's our newsletter platform. You will need both doors open, visualworkplace.com and constant contact. Horatio Fairburn, who is our manager of technology, can provide your IT department with detailed instructions. Just email him at radio at visualworkplace.com and he will send that to you. Or if you want to call, call us directly at the office. Call him directly at the office, 503-233-1784, 503-233-1784. I also want to mention that I'm doing a one-day visual machine hands-on workshop on December 9th at the Grant's Whiskey site outside of Edinburgh, Scotland. How exciting is that? Tuesday, December the 9th. This is very hands-on, focused on making the machine speak. This is the first time that I've done this on-site workshop publicly, and I'm excited about it. I'm also excited about going to the home of Glenfiddich. I'm not a whiskey drinker, but believe me, I've got friends who are, and they swear by it. (laughs) Something about single malt. Ah. But this is a protocol, the visual machine protocol that I've been using for over a decade, and it targets different layers of machine functionality and the maintenance function as well. It's a dynamic and dynamite 
hands-on workshop, and I hope that you are around to uh, attend. The contact information for getting in touch with John Tudor, who is our wonderful sponsor in England, in Europe, in fact, is um, on our website, on our current website. You'll find it in the lower left-hand corner. I'm sorry, the lower right-hand corner. The week before that, I'll be at a Siemens plant in um, Cambridge, England, on December 3rd and 4th, and I'll be doing the principles and practices of visual leadership, a very condensed version of what we've been doing over the past year, talking about the leadership opportunities through visuality and what those principles and practices are. That also has a second day that is hands-on. We do an assessment of a leadership level at the Siemens plant, and then we kind of organize ourselves to understand our own plants better by looking at a laboratory plant. So I hope you can join us. Again, you can get the information on our website. Uh, On the lower right-hand corner, there's contact information, or just get in touch with us. We will absolutely help you. One more, well, two more announcements. We're having our first live webinar next Thursday, November the 6th, an hour after this show. Please join us. You should have gotten that announcement. If not, you will also find that on our website. I will be walking through the basics of workplace visuality. Then we'll, on, uh, later on, we'll do the 10 doorways on another, uh, at another webinar. We're going to do one of these once a month, and we'll do case studies and on and on. We'd love to be influenced by what you want to see so if you email us, believe me, this, whoever squeaks gets our attention, and the way to squeak is to send us an email. You will represent everybody else if, uh, if you are the person who gets in touch with us. We will listen. I wanted to say a word about, uh, again, uh, I should mention our email, which is radio at visualworkplace.com. I also wanted to mention something about Smart Simple Design Reloaded. The book is done. It's taken me two years, but it won't be released, I'm sorry to say, until January. And this is because apparently reviewers don't like writing about old books. And any book that isn't in the year that the review happens is considered out of date. So we won't get many reviewers to put us on their desks this late in this year so the folks in charge of our marketing have decided the book will be released on January 1st 2015 so that everybody can review it who wants to this is a major heartburn for me because I want you to get this book so it'll be pulled from Amazon today or tomorrow you can still squeeze in if you want it right away but it'll be pulled and then re-released on January Uh, 2015. We have to be pretty legit about this, otherwise people get grumpy and we don't want them to. So please drop us an email at radio at visualworkplace.com. Visit us on our website, visualworkplace.com and let's begin today's show. So today's show is about putting your house to work. We are nearing the tail end of our discussion of the operation system, the operations system improvement template, OSIT, I call it, or the house. We've been walking through the nine levels of this house, and we got up to level five last week. It was a very important level, level five and six, which is the strategy the manufacturing strategy, not the acquisitions or marketing strategy, but the manufacturing strategy, and also the macro metric. 
Today, I want to unnest the discussion that links that strategy with the metric. That means I want to show you how to use the house conscientiously and intentionally to improve your operational system. You, re- you may remember that I said that trying to run a, co- a company without an operational system or an operational system map, the house, is like trying to get off a mountain in the middle of a blizzard with no compass, no food, no rope, no sense of direction. Just hurl yourself off the ledge and hope for the best. <laughs> As compared to skiing down the powdery slopes to the cup of hot chocolate that is waiting when you get to the lodge 11 minutes later. It's that important. This house that is often just a poster on the wall of your boardroom or in the back of your the back wall of your desk, this house which looks like the house of Toyota, the house of Danaher, the house of Virginia Mason, the house of fill in the name of your production system house is pretty much useless unless you make it work for you. You have to make it work, but you know what? Few of us expect it to work. Most of us just see it as a poster, a pretty poster. Well, you know, from one point of view, you're right. It is just a piece of paper. It's pretty, but so what? And I'll answer that question of so what when we come back from our first break, which we're sliding into now. I'll be here when you get back, I promise, and very interested in continuing our conversation. See you in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. 
with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back to the second part of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We are focusing on putting your house to work. The kind of subtitle or coda of that is how to say yes to the few and wait to the many. We have many, many things to talk about in this discussion, and this is where I live. I want to tell you, as I was preparing for the show today, I could hear a kind of stridency in my brain, a stridency that had to do with how very much I believe what I'm going to be sharing with you and how very much I've experienced the pros and the cons of what I'm talking about. I should say how very much I've experienced what happens when you don't do it. And what I'm talking about is taking that piece of paper and making the thinking on that paper come alive, come alive with your thinking to look at that image of the house, and it will be in our newsletter next week, I promise, to look at that image of the house, that stacked, those nine levels that are stacked, starting from the top, customer, vision, mission, values and beliefs, beliefs, strategy, macrometric, strategic principles, tactical targets, tools and methods. I've added those last four rows because I couldn't get the darn house to function with just customer vision, mission, values, and beliefs and strategy. That's what this conversation is about. You have to make that piece of paper come alive for you, come alive with your thinking in your brain so that it becomes dynamic because you have made it so. And you make it so by thinking through the elements and requiring that image to speak to you, to perform for you, to cough up its secrets, to manifest and to make a difference. Is that a lot to ask for from a piece of paper? I don't think so. It is not a lot to ask of paper because, well, look around you. That piece of paper is the result of thought and everything you see and touch and know in your life, in your office, wherever you are now, is the result of thought. Why not a piece of paper that promises to improve your operational system, the very heart of your company? Why not? And I'm talking about hospitals as well as government agencies, as well as factories, whether you're making whiskey or automobiles. Why not indeed? Why not turn that image into a reflection of your thought? And how do you do that? You do that by investing your mind into that construct. You build the house. Yes, you follow the conventions of the house, the kind of shape of each level, the requirements of each of these nine levels. You name your customer. You articulate the vision. It's meaningful to you. You articulate and differentiate mission. You identify values and beliefs that are important to you. This is you 
leaders, this is you. Name these things and do this solo. Do this alone. Do this in the quiet of your room. If you're at the plant, stay after first shift. Park your car somewhere else in the parking lot so nobody knows you're still in the building. Shut the door and just get into it. Later, you can bring in your team. But I caution you again, I've done this in all of our discussions, about delegating this to your team too soon or even doing it together. If you do that, you will never know your own thinking. You will also never know what is tricky about the house, what really needs to be attended to. You'll abdicate the thinking entirely and you therefore cannot lead. If you don't make this yours, you can't lead. You have to do the work, find your leadership focus, get invested, market, I said last week, like a little doggy does when they walk around the block and they, they you know, mark the perimeter of their kingdom. That's what you're doing because you're a leader, not a manager. Otherwise, this house is just a string of images that you can't operationalize. Remember, this is an operation system improvement template. The whole point is to improve the way you operate, to do things differently, more effectively, so that you will know that your strategy is working or not working. This is the work of the leader. This is an understanding that needs to become so deeply embedded in your psychology that it never leaves your awareness. And when that happens, this leadership becomes an appetite. This improvement leadership becomes an appetite. Beyond an understanding, it becomes something that you want. Remember a long time ago I spoke to you about the Barracuda leader? The leader who was always hungry for improvement and everything he saw, everything she saw looked like lunch. Like a barracuda, I'm always hungry. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> That's the way it has to be with you. It's an appetite. And only then can you share the excitement, the will of that appetite with others and ignite others. Remember? Something ignited in my soul. Fever or unremembered wings. This experience that Pablo Neruda had when he, what was he, a bank teller? Maybe he put wallpaper up on people's, people's houses. But he was not a poet. And one day he said, I must write. And something ignited in him. I mean, you could make a case that your company is your palette, is your paper. What you are going to write upon. It has to be personalized. Okay. You know, this kind of goes hands in hand with the question I ask, what is the motion of the leader? What is moving and not working for a leader, for you? So, let's move on. We are looking at level five, which is your strategy. And the strategy that I've named for you, because honestly, there is no other one, is the relentless identification and pursuit 
of waste, the elimination of waste relentlessly as a strategy. You step below that to level six, uh, you're going, you're counting from the top, from the customer down. Level six is the way to operationalize that strategy. I call it your macro metric. And there's only one way to do this. It's time. Since time is a shadow of motion, which my sensei Shigeo Shingo used to drill into my head in the 1980s, time is the shadow of motion. Motion is another word or a component of waste. We use it in the visual workplace as a kind of driving metric. We have to look at at time. We have to know the clock is always ticking. Tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. And that's how we measure. Another way to say that, it's corollary, is speed. Time and speed are really said in the same breath. And the way we do that on the macrometric, and I want to walk you through this, I want to delve in this today, as I promised in our notice, unnested, that macrometric of time and speed means the comparison between what is work and what is waste, or using other language, what adds value and what does not, that differentiation. And I will, I will tell you that many of you use this language, but you've never operationalized it. You know about time and speed as a corollary of waste, but you don't exactly operationalize it. Instead, you paste on, excuse me, I want to say this with respect, but I do, if I may say so, disapprove. I disapprove. You jump right to the Kaizen Blitz. And you let the blitz do the work. The blitz is a tool. And it has been extremely useful. But for you as the leader, you can use that as a tool only if you have absorbed the thinking. And the house is a way of making that absorption real. You really need to do this work. Let me walk you through. Let me walk you through the uh, operationalizing the macrometric. And I, I just want to say one more thing. I know you've been well-schooled. I know that you have achieved one certification program or another and learned the difference between value-add and non-value-add. You may have even delved into the formula of 95.5. You get it. But to all that, I say, so what? Let me see how you've operationalized it and how you've shared it how you have shared that knowledge so people have been ignited by that knowledge the same way you have. How have you shared the revelation of this incredibly powerful measurement doorway? If you have, and I want to encourage you to do so for yourself first, exactly as I'm saying now. So I'm going to walk through that for those of you who either have never heard of it before or don't really kind of get what's the big deal. But also for those of you who do uh, know it, but haven't gone far enough. I had an experience like this. I, I taught a class at uh, the University of Buckingham two summers ago in Buckingham, England. And, you know, there were just so many heavyweights in the room. These were folks who were pursuing a master's degree in operations, but 
they were running plants. So they were a very savvy group, and it was a pleasure to be with them. But when I got to this point, they said to me practically as a course, we already know that, Gwendolyn. Give us something new. And I was quelled by it because, you know, they were talking with English accents and we're Americans and somebody with an English accent immediately seems sounds smarter than I. <laughs> but afterwards, about a month later, I said, just a minute. You say you understand it. I'm thinking to myself, no one else is in the room. I'm thinking to myself, they said they understood it, but how have they operationalized it? They probably understand it, but did they spread it? Did they make sure that this was a precise quantum of knowledge that was creating appetite in the people that they worked with, their direct reports? Were they converting people into barracuda leaders who needed to find waste and eliminate it because they understood the 95-5 paradigm? So I'm going to go into this exactly as we uh, come back from our next break. I'll be here and I can hardly wait. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Welcome to the unique job search community of Lynn Radice Live. You do have the power to land the perfect job. If you are unemployed or underemployed or looking for your next career move, tune in to Lynn Radice Live. Get a job, no excuses. This is a first-of-its-kind job empowerment show. Lynn will identify the most critical needs in today's job market and show you how you can get a top position today. Get ready. Let's get hired. Lynn Radice Live airs live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, the host of The Visual Workplace, and I'm so glad that you have joined us this week. We are in the midst of our discussion of the house. We are right at the engine of what drives the house, which is a metric. 
I call it the macro metric because it influences, it drives, it impacts the entire business plan. It's on a macro level. And even though you will derive your key performance indicators, your KPIs from that metric, we must never lose sight of that metric. And this is something else in my commentary that I will mention, that most of the KPIs that I see plastered on the wall or the bulletin board are pretty pale uh, cousins of their um, of their lineage. Their lineage is this metric, this driving distinction between value-add versus non-value-add. This is the metric that drives everything above it. It's on level five and everything below it. It is the driver of the house. It is the driver of your conceptualization of the house. This is private work. You must know this for yourself. You must see how that works so that you can lead the organization. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, as a leader, you are in for a very delicious episode of thinking. This is wonderful exploration of the possibilities, but also reflecting how you got to where you are today and how to go further. Your job is a hard one. You have to say, Yes to the few and wait to the many. That's the job of a leader. You have to make the hard decision because you're in charge of resources. You hold the P&L, or I've often alluded to it, read Winston Churchill's mem- memoirs of the Second World War, even in the abbreviated 800-page edition, and you will see a man who had to face that decision every day and the life of his country and, you know, really of the Western world were in his, was in his hands. Yes to the few and wait to the many to win the war. And it often feels that way to you as well. I know a great deal is at stake. So I want to encourage you to become interested in this. Yes, we do webinars on it. If you want us to help you, we can. But I've given you enough, and I can come to your site if you want to, and if my schedule allows. But we've given you enough. I've given you enough in these series for you to tackle this yourself. I really believe that you can go far with these radio shows. That's why I'm doing them, and that's why I'm sharing so let's walk through the macro metric of value add versus non-value add. And this enlightenment arrived on our shores in 1985, not from Japan, but from Australia. Hmm? And let me tell you why. The Japanese kept this a secret. I was working for a wonderful gentleman named Norman Bodek. He gave me my first job in manufacturing. Before then, I was a Latin teacher, an actor in New York, the token Caucasian in a Chinese restaurant. I had a spotted career. And then suddenly I fell into this puddle of milk and honey called manufacturing, the workplace. And I've never left it. And it, was, it, it has been marvelous for me. Hmm. I kind of got off into my own story and lost my thread. Let me just find it again. So, I worked at a company, it was called Productivity Inc., that acquired um, intellectual property, books from Japan, and translated them. 
And then we would sell the books. They had to be translated and vetted and edited and put into good English. And we, would, we did a very good business doing that, my, me working for, uh, for Norman. And a lot of people in Australia, a particular group called the Technical Transfer Council, were buying the books. We would laugh at, uh, laugh at it. Cheryl, who was in charge of fulfillment, would come in and said, they bought another 10 books. There they are standing on their heads in Australia reading our books, and we would laugh. We thought the books were good. The Australians thought they were full of lies, they later told us. And these were books on um, quality circles and some of the initial books from Toyota, including a revolution in manufacturing by my sensei Shigeo Shingo about the SMED method. And the Australians, we later we met them about three or three or four years later. They invited us to come down because they had discovered something, and we found out, and we were so blown away. They said we took your books and we literally threw them on the floor, and one of our very heavyweight consultants would jump on these books. He would get so annoyed, and he would say, lies, lies, lies. This is nothing but lies. The Japanese, it was at the time it was called the Japanese miracle in the 1980s, mid-80s. The Japanese miracle is not about quality circles. It's about something else, and by gum, it's somewhere hidden in these books because this is the only literature we can get our hands on anyway, so it's in here somewhere we're going to find it. And they insisted that those books cough up their secrets. Much the same way as I'm saying, insist that this image of the house cough up its secrets so you can use those secrets and harvest the promise of an improved operational system. So they jumped on the books and they finally found it. And they found it, they suspected it was about time. They were trying to find a convention or an iconic, um, what can I call this, an iconic thought that was large enough to encompass everything that they saw. They needed it to have scope. And they said, we think it's about time. We think it's about the relationship between time when we're converting material and time when we're not doing the conversion. And they went to the government of Australia, which was feeling the threat of a possible Japanese invasion, this time not a military invasion, but an economic invasion. And the government of, of Australia funded a study that was conducted by the Technical Transfer Council. And it was a study of 120 companies. And they went to these 120 companies and they said, this is what we would like you to do. We would like you to find something that you manufacture. We want you to isolate a single unit of it even if it is done in batches of thousands or ten thousands, we want you to, f to identify a single unit of an output. And we want you to distinguish between the time that this unit is being converted into something of greater value for the customer and everything else. And, but they use the language of conversion time and no non-conversion time. Later, value-add, non-value-add evolved. And they did this across 120 companies. Some of these were chemical manufacturers. Some of them were automotive. The different process uh, manufacturing, continuous process flow, and discrete. 
they got the money, the, the, um, they got the data together. But I want to walk you through an example. And this is an example that they gave to me when I said, what do you mean? They said, okay, pretend that you have a pen and look at the cap of the pen and focus only on the clip. So we're going to trace the life of the clip through its manufacturing from raw material to finished goods when it is assembled onto the cap of the pen. And I thought, well, wow, that's really a fine focus. But they said, bear with us. So we're not going to look at the pen as, uh, I'm sorry, the clip as part of its 1,000 brothers and sisters, but singly. And so they went through the process. What are the, I'm going to use the common language now, what are the value-adding steps? What are the steps that convert the pen? And let's name the amount of time that, I'm sorry, the pen clip, that convert the clip. And let's name the amount of time that that single clip goes through against the overall manufacturing lead time. This is when lead time was introduced into the discussion. This was precise science. This wasn't conjecture. This was doing the scientific study. We call it the value-adding analysis. And I think this must be in every one of my books. I know it's in Smart Simple Design. We're redoing visual systems. We're republishing that. It's in there. This is very, very important. This is the heart of the metric. And so they named five functions against four days of lead time. And those four days of lead time covered the thousand unit batch of clips. But we're looking at a single clip. So here are the value add operations or the conversion operations. Stamping, forming, deburring, plating, assembly. Stamping, forming, deburring, plating, assembly. How much time for a single clip? Generously, three seconds for stamping, three seconds for forming, 1.2 minutes for deburring because that's what the cycle of the machine is and it's impossible at this point to differentiate. Plating, 38 seconds, assembly, 15 seconds. It's a total of two minutes and one second. The next thing we do is we convert. We look at those four days and we convert it into seconds, which is 345,000 seconds. And we look at the value-adding sequence and we convert that into seconds, 121 seconds. And then we divide the 3,400,000 seconds into 121 seconds. Ouch. Ouch. And what do we get? We get an answer that tells us how much of the time is value added related to the overall manufacturing time, the lead time. We're not even doing business cycle here. We're just doing lead time. And it comes out to be 0.000, those are three zeros after the decimal point, 3501 of value adding time. Convert it to a percentage, move the decimal point two places over, and you get 0.035% of value-adding time. And go ahead, smidge a little, and make that 0.4%, 0.04% manufacturing time. 
0.04% manufacturing time. And when we look at the difference between value-adding time, which is 0.04%, and non, we get the non-value-adding time, which in this case for the pen clip was 99.96% non-value-adding. That's a lot of non-value-adding. And what the Australians said, this is the waste. They made that connection. This is the waste. This is what we should be focusing on. So I have to go into a break. I'll go on with this story, and I hope it is illustrative. It is certainly what I am urging you to do yourself and to share this knowledge. Make people do a value-adding analysis so they can live the truth of why they're doing Kaizen Blitzes. The people you're working with are not only capable of understanding it, it will change them as it has, and I hope has, I will say has, changed you, this understanding, direct experience. It's called in the trade, direct experience. So I'll talk to you again in a moment. See you in a moment. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back to the last segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. And I'm pretty hopped up because I'm getting a chance to walk you through this critical, this pivotal, this central metric. 
and you know, uh, you can certainly tell that I'm very committed to it. You know, if I have a failing, and I will tell you I have many, it is I get a little bit strident about what I believe in. Some people find this a flaw. They, they, they think that I should calm down, <laughs> and I try. You're getting the calm down version. What I really want to do is make sure you do this. So I'm just going to go uh, uh, along. I'm talking to you as a leader that you have to have the experience where your mouth drops open and you, re- you find the courage to actually do a value-adding analysis on a single pen clip whatever the equivalent is in your organization, so you know why you're driving the waste reduction policy, the waste reduction strategy, why it is so important. And let me unnest more about what's important about it and, 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 and pull the pieces together. So the Australians did this on 120 companies, the Technical Transfer Council, and when they averaged everything together from these 120 companies... It was a wide, wide range. When they averaged it, they saw that on average, there was 5% value adding and 95% waste. That's where the 95.5 comes from, from an actual study, and that's the average. And what's important to realize about the average is that it doesn't represent the range. So you have some companies that are doing better, slightly better, And you have some companies that are doing much, 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 much worse in order to get the average of 5%. You you need to know where you fit on that spectrum. This is an organizing focus. This is how you target. We're going to be getting to that next week. What are your tactical targets related to your macro metric? We're also going to hit strategic principles, which is a way of articulating uh, the insights that this metric cough up. But I'll get to that. So, the truth is the 95-5 ratio, and I take it as truth. But here's the problem. If you don't know about this, you will invest poorly. If you think that everyone is busy, 100% busy all the time, and I assure you they are, and you confuse that with work, you will make the wrong decision, the wrong leadership decision. There you are thinking everyone is busy all the time and we're producing X number of widgets and I want to double the business next year, so let's buy some new machinery. We'll have double capacity, therefore we'll have, I'm sorry, we'll have double capability, therefore we'll double up our capacity, therefore we'll double up our output. And this is announced at a board meeting by Josephine Prophet the leader, the plant manager, or the corporate president. And you know better. And during the next break, you go out and you're an employee, call your broker and say, sell it. Sell everything. We're going down the tubes because you know about the 95-5 formula, the ratio. And it is a ratio. You can think of a ratio as a rubber band. You can stretch it big. You can let it relax, but it's always 100%. It's always 100%. And Miss Profit made her decision without understanding the 95.5. And what she did to that 5% of, of value adding is she then cut it in half. When we sought to double our output, we actually reduced the value add portion by the inverse amount. 
half. And we increased what was the waste, the non-value adding, by the same amount. So now we're looking at the result of that decision and we can predict that in a year we will have instead of 5% value adding, 2.5% value adding. Instead of 95% non-value adding, we will have 97.5% value adding. That's the decision of a leader that has not been informed. The situation got 100% worse. The company went in the wrong direction and didn't even know it. This is one of the many ways that you operationalize the 95-5 ratio, this macro metric. And what is, so that you focus on the waste and you know why. Now, this is often summarized in the wheel of the seven deadly wastes plus one. But it, in a, it, it de, de, denudes it of its power. When you look at the 90, when you do your value adding analysis and you look at that ratio for one of your single units, you will first of all sit down and hold your head and say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But you'll rally and, and you will say, okay, this is the truth and I know what to do about it. I know that we must attack waste. I know why. And I want to spread the word so that others will know. This is work you must do solo. You must do this analysis. Find a good buddy. Work with a supervisor or manager and say, we're going to do, we're going to identify the value-adding steps. We're going to do the calculations. This is between you and me and the two other people we need to get involved or whatever but I need to see for myself what it is in this plant. It's worth the time because from that time, I will find my courage to really pursue this as an operations system improvement strategy. We're going to get to the X-type matrix. I'm spending, what, six, seven weeks on the house. I am trying to convince you. I am trying to speak persuasively. And here's what else is so interesting about this. And this was revealed by Toyota in a conversation at Toyota. And that is, what is the ratio that makes us world-class? You know, I should really let this be an answer that I give next week and let you think about it. If 95.5 is the average ratio of value-adding versus non-value-adding in a typical manufacturing plant. In this case, we are not talking about hospitals, but we are talking about agencies. We are talking about manufacturing, discrete, and continuous process flow. What is the ratio for world-class? Well, you know what? I think I've convinced myself to wait until next week to share that because I tell you, when I found out, I was just blown over. The truth was so far from what I, and I have a pretty experienced mind, even at that time, it was about 1990, uh, I think 89 or so. I, I was really blown away and it, it is, becomes very, very important. So we'll talk about that next week. I'll write a little blurb up that mentions the answer to what is the world-class ratio and we will next week finish up the house. We'll go through this, we'll finish this up We'll go through strate- the strategic principles, I beg your pardon, tactical targets and the methods that support those tactical targets. 
Okay, so we have an ambitious week. I refuse to go yet another week on the house because I want to get to the X type. I want to thank you very much for your careful listening. Please send your emails. You can call if you wish, 503-233-1784. That's our office. I'd be very happy to hear what you think. See you next week. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.